0: We live in the society where we don't need social safety, nets because we have mothers and, you know, we think that motherhood is a choice so you don't get to have support from your partners or, you know, government or your employers and that we have asked women for far too long, you know, to be these ideal mothers and these ideal workers, you know, and workplaces were never built for us. So in this crisis, as we, as we exit this pandemic, right, we can change a broken system that was never, ever built for us.
1: I can't even tell you how many sentences I've underlined in Reshma Sajani's new book, Pay Up. Her brutally honest self-reflection and social commentary put into words what I've been feeling for years now. Here are some excerpts I love. I rallied hard behind the ideology of feminism that proclaimed we would have equality. Once we achieve gender parity in the workplace. And I was wrong. I was wrong because telling women that having the big life they've envisioned would come solely through the hours they put in the workplace, bravery they show and the blood sweat and tears they surrender is a lie. We will never fully have equality nor fulfillment until we make some crucial changes to our home lives, our workplaces, our culture, and in our public policies so that all of women's work is valued equally, both in the workplace and on the home front. I mean, it's just incredible. But the most powerful and inspiring part of Reshma's book is that she calls moms to action to make changes. And that call to action gives me hope. Welcome to Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host. Today, I'm so excited to sit down with Reshma Saudani, founder and CEO of Marshall Plan for Moms. This week, Reshma joins us to discuss her experience as a working mom, society's assumption that moms are America's social safety net, and the necessity to fix a broken system that was never intended for working moms. She asks, how can we create a society that demands true equity for all women? Reshma encourages moms to stop being martyrs and create, quote, good trouble to demand wholesale structural change. Welcome. I'm so excited for you to be here on Work Like a Mother. Ah, thank you so much for having me. Well, you are such a hero to all of us working mothers advocating through the Marshall Plan for moms, but- Before we get into that, I want to take a step back and ask, did you always know that your career would center around advocating and empowering girls and women?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's because I was, uh, my parents came here as refugees, and I always tell the story about my dad used to read me these little Reader's Digest books about change makers. And so I feel from the time I was a little girl, like I wanted to be a warrior, Like I led my first march when I was 12 or 13. You know, I started my first organization to reduce, you know, racism when I was, you know, ninth grader in high school. So I feel like I've been like marching, protesting, shouting, fighting, you know, my whole life. Um, And and I do, I guess many was attributed to like my parents and coming into this country and their struggle and always wanting to fight for the underdog.
1: Wow. And then can you share a little bit about how your vision changed when you had two boys? How did that transform yeah. your career and your work? Such a great question. I mean, I
0: I always wanted to have kids. Like I knew that I was always going to be a mom. And I think in many ways, and I talk about this in Pay Up, like I had kind of built into the big lie of corporate feminism that if I just like leaned in hard enough you know, and hustled my way to the top, Mm -hmm. that kids wouldn't stop me. It's almost like kids didn't exist in like the women that I looked up to or saw in my work or, you know, in media. So, you know, when I had my kids, I just kept going. Like I didn't really take a breath. You know, with Sean, I would literally bring him to the Girls Who Code office like all the time. He was always like front and center. You know I mean? If like if I gave a speech, a commencement speech at Harvard at, you know, University of Education or if whatever I did, he was there. And so, and part of it was, I did, I did think that there had a lot of young women, uh, you know, who worked for me and I wanted them, you know, cause I always got the question about work life balance and can you have it all? And, you know, I talk about in the book, how I would just like wave that question off And I think part of bringing him everywhere and working with a kid and showing the grit and the hustle and the messiness was for them to think like, look, you can do it too. Um, But in retrospect, it's like, you know, I wasn't being the right kind of role model Mm. that I want would be today. You know, after everything I think so many of us have gone through, like in this pandemic, like my eyes have opened up to how workplaces were never structured you know, I mean, to support working women.
1: Well, and I feel like one of the things I love about your book is how you really open up about how the pandemic impacted you, right, personally and, and professionally. So can you share a little bit more about the realizations that led to you writing Pay Up? So, you know, I
0: started uh, 2020, January 1st, 2020, right? With a Super Bowl ad, right? Girls who could had a Super Bowl ad. We were like on top of the world. I had finally um, had my second son. I was going to have him through surrogate because I had done a decade of infertility. Um, and I had just been waiting for him. And I had all these feelings about the fact that I didn't get to carry him. So I was just really looking forward to my to my leave, So I could just bond with him and be with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was looking forward to like spending time with my husband, right? Like, you know, actually taking some leave, focusing on family, taking care of my newborn. And he was born January 25th. And that's when, you know, a few days before, you know, the first COVID case, And so, you know, by the time I got him back to New York City, you know, because I didn't want to put him on a plane, I had to get him to Chicago and then finally get here, you know, the world was starting to fall apart. And, you know, I, you know, ended up finding myself having to end my maternity leave homeschool my kindergartner, save my nonprofit, right? Because in global pandemics, the first businesses to get hit are women's businesses and women's organizations. And I was just exhausted. I was terrified for my family. You know, I got COVID-19. It barely registered. My liver failed. And, you know, when I looked on my Zoom screen, most of the women in my leadership team, actually all of the women on my leadership team are moms and moms of young children, we were all living the same nightmare. And at the same time, we had to save our organization. And many of us basically just said, well, when the schools open, you know, when the schools open in the fall, we'll get a minute to breathe. And I remember my son was starting public school, you know, here in New York City. And like, you know, a few weeks before schools were open, and I got the note from like the DOE basically being like, congratulations. We're announcing this thing called hybrid learning, right? Where you get to homeschool and Zoom your your kid all the while you maintain your full time job, and you then started to see millions and millions of women, right, leave the workforce. You know, almost almost eleven million throughout the time of the pandemic, and. I shouldn't say leave the workforce, get pushed out of the workforce. And you saw those job numbers come out where all the women, all the jobs lost were all women's jobs. And you really started to see the havoc, you know, that women who had to supplement essentially, you know, their their paid labor for unpaid labor. And it was untenable. And what was crazy to me was there was no plan. Like even when we knew that women were, were going to be doing the homeschooling, but we never asked us. We never said, do you have time, mental bandwidth, energy? Can you do it? What do you need? What support? What help do you need? None of that. We just assumed that mothers were America's social safety net. And it blew me away. And that's how this movement, you know, when I wrote an op-ed called The Marshall for Mom, I've now built an organization, wrote this book, Pay Up, because it just, it showed me that like we live in the society where we don't need social safety, nets because we have mothers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we think that motherhood is a choice. So you don't get to have support from your partners or, you know, government or your employers, and that we have asked women for far too long, you know, to be these ideal mothers and these ideal workers, you know, and workplaces were never built for us. So in this crisis, as we, as we exit this pandemic, right, we can change a broken system that was never, ever built for us.
1: Well, I'm so inspired by the Marshall Plan for Moms, and that really started before the new book. Can you tell us about sort of the inspiration for the plan? Give us the behind the scenes. You know, what did it really look like to get it to get yeah. it started? So
0: I write this op-ed in like, you know, de- de- December of, you know, uh, December of 2020. And um, I-, I didn't think anything of it. I do a lot of thought leadership. I wrote this op-ed. I-, I-, I often write things when I'm angry. And I remember when I woke up the next morning, I'm like, oh, people are reading this. And, ooh, you know, the comment section's a little feisty. And what was wild to me, like, on, on, uh, was that people, you know, on the left were like, well, you know, what about the dads? Why isn't there a martial plan for dads?" And then people on the right were like, well, you know, motherhood's a choice. You don't, you, should, you don't get any nice things. But moms were like, thank you. Tears, joy, excitement. Just people just felt seen because it was the first time we were really talking about the pandemic's impact on mothers. We talked about everybody else but we had not talked about what was what this was doing to moms. And so, you know, I go on winter break and we come back and, you know, my team, we sometimes, you know, girls could, we'd love to come up with like good trouble as we say, and we're like, you know what, we should take out an ad. And we decided to follow it up with a full-time ad in the New York Times to President Biden because it was his first hundred days of his presidency. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about what should his priority be? So we took out a full-page ad signed by, you know, activists, celebrities, CEOs from Amy Schumer to Gabriel Union to Mindy Grossman to, you know, Ajahn Poo, you know, to Alexis McGill Johnson, just women saying, we do not work for free. And in your first 50 days, let us tell you what we need to get back to work. We need affordable childcare. We need paid leave. We need schools to open up safely. We need retraining for those of us whose jobs have been, you know, automated because of the pandemic. And, you know, the ad just went viral. And it just ignited this this conversation, ignited controversy. And I I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, like, I didn't know motherhood was this controversial. Like, people got a lot of feelings. And I started just digging in and understanding a lot more, right, about, like, what the problem was. And that, and I think this is where I came to, as I talk about in the book, right, this, I had been speaking this gospel of professional ambition. I had spent the past decade telling my girls to, at Girls Who coach to storm the corner office That there was an express train to the corner office, right? That if they just leaned in and girl bossed their way to the top, that we could get to equality. And the truth was, is that that's just not true. And COVID exposed that, right? That we live in a society that was not built for us and that in many ways is stacked against us. And that having it all was just a euphemism for doing it all, you know? And that is coming at an enormous cost to our professional life, our (laughs) our health, you know what I mean? And that something has to change. And that we have to ask for wholesale structural change. And I realize that it that there isn't there's is a need, an opportunity, a necessity to build a movement to lift mothers up, especially in this moment of their economic recovery.
1: I remember when the ad came out and I remember thinking how up until that point, and I don't know if this had happened to you. So in, in many ways, um, similar story in terms of our pandemic babies, my second was born in April, 2020. right there, And um, I had a really hard time reading all of these articles about like bringing light to what mothers were facing because it felt like I don't need to read other people's stories. I'm living this day after day after day and it feels unmanageable for me to live day after day. So to read about it felt even harder. But I remember when when the ad came out when and reading about Marshall Plan for moms and just thinking, "Oh thank God, like th- n- let's get angry. Like let's do something about it or let's let's take action rather than just feeling stuck and feeling sad and feeling hopeless.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing, like mothers are not supposed to feel angry. We're supposed to be martyrs. We, there's almost even shame that we're complaining about it, right? And, and and people make you feel that way on both sides of the aisle, which was so fascinating to me, right? Because I thought there would be natural allyship you know what I mean, Uh, with a certain political persuasion, but that's just not true. So, you know, it it really isn't a deeply American problem, like this idea that we should be martyrs, we don't get to complain, that things do have to happen to us, that we just have to just suck it up and keep moving on. You know what I mean? In many ways, even our children think that that's what we should be doing, right? And so everybody from, from, in every part of the institution actually just feels like, you know, moms should just—that's—that's that's part of being a mom. You know, like how many times somebody said that to you? Well, you're a mom, right? Yeah. Like, of course you're supposed to pack the bag. Of course you're supposed to get the groceries. Supposed you know that their shoes are like too small or too big. Like, you're a mom, right? Of course you're not supposed to sleep. Like, of course you're supposed to just be happy all the time. And so I think, and I think this performative parenting that has happened on Instagram for so long, and all of the images that we see. Cause I think just as much as like you, we often feel like you're the biggest insult that you can say to a mom is she's a bad mom. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And like, we're so terrified of being that way judged that way by our kids, by ourselves, by our neighbors, by our partners that we will like literally, I remember one of the stories I tell in the book is that this woman was her, her, her child was sick and she was sleeping with him in the bed, and she really had to go to the bathroom. And so she literally said to her husband, Just grab me a diaper. And she peed in a diaper rather than wake up. I mean, wake her kid up and go to the bathroom. But like we have a, a peeing in a diaper version of our story, right? In our, in our lives, all of us have those, like those examples, you know? And it's sometimes we feel like that's a form of pride of our motherhood. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly what is devastating our mental health and also not changing our workplaces. Because even our employers say, well, I don't need to offer you anything. You've been breastfeeding in a closet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need, you don't need affordable childcare. Like, you know what I mean? So we have to stop being martyrs and start asking for what we deserve. And I'm telling you, as a martyr, that's hard.
1: How did you make that shift for yourself? I mean, you're saying how, and I totally agree, we all have those martyr moments. As you were just saying that, I was like, oh, which one could I share at at this moment in time? How did you make that switch for your own self from martyr to taking action and activist?
0: I think it's an ongoing process. It's kind of like when I talk about bravery. It's like not one and done. It's like I think it, it, I think it is just this intentionality. Like you know, this weekend I'm going on, or this week I'm going on a girls trip. You know what I mean? And I think the commitment that I've made to myself is like I'm not going to Facetime them every second. I'm not going to pre-do all the things and pre-order the groceries and make sure that things are packed and make a list of everything. I mean, basically, do all the like y'all going to figure it out? Like part of it is like conditioning and and basically getting the family to operate with independence without us like running in and fixing everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And I talk about some of these strategies kind of in the book. Um, The second thing too, is I think really having that question with yourself, like, why do I care? Mm -hmm. What am I worried about? What what am I worried that like someone is going to think about me? You know, and then also recognizing that, like, I think in many ways, like, you know, like, I'm sure you've been in this position, right, where you're going on a trip. You, we, of course, pack all the bags, right? You get in the car and your partner, or your husband or your whoever you're traveling with be like, did you get X? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got it. And there's some amount of pride in the identity. Mm-hmm. And so I know for me, I need to detach myself from that identity. Because that identity is not about being a mom. It is about being selfless at all cost. You know, the CDC did a report that came out, you know, last week that essentially of all the subgroups, the one that is facing the most amount of mental health crisis are moms. And part of they were talking about why it's like the homeschooling, the extra stress, the pain, we have taken the child, we have taken all of that on. Now there's you know we have a lot of families right in America I think you know 3 out of 10 that are run by single single moms so there's a lot of women out there who just who don't have any other option but to do it themselves right and so this isn't a, this isn't a thing about oh let me just get have our partners do more you know this is a, right. if we don't fix it in 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 society literally a significant amount of our population, soon to be the majority is is, is suffering You know, and so I think the thing is, is that, like, we have got to start kind of reconditioning ourselves, you know, and reconditioning society, more importantly, asking for society and saying, no, I'm not going to do this on my own. I need help. You know, one of the things I wrote, I do these failure Fridays on on Friday and um, traveling with two kids is not fun. I often do it by myself when I go see my parents and, you know, just to give the, uh, just for my, my husband and I to have breaks yeah. and, and, and traveling with two kids is like, you know, obviously not fun, but invariably right. And it's like, I have a two year old and a seven year old, you know, one. And so invariably right. The stroller will fall on top of me. I'll forget something. One kid's screaming, blah, 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 blah. And I'll be in the airplane and someone normally woman will say, can I help you? Do you need help? Do you want me to carry something? And I'll be like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. And I have forced myself the past year to being like, yes, I would love your help. Can you grab this? Can you take my kid? Can you hold it? You know what I mean? Like, We as moms, I think, and also have to condition society to say, when you see a mom struggling, ask her if she needs help, even if it's a single, if it's a single mom in your school. You know what I mean? Whose kid was sick today. Ask her if she wants, she needs, if you can bring her her homework. Ask her if you can, you know, do drop off, right? Ask moms if they need help. Because we do.
1: Yes. I've underlined so many sentences in your new book. Some I've underlined because you're teaching me something new. Some are because I'm so inspired by, you know, your vision for the future, And some are because I just feel like, like, oh my God, she gets it. Like she just totally gets it. You put a feeling that I've had into words so beautifully. And one simple yet really like profound line that you wrote was when you talk about how during the day you run, you know, this busy business enterprise and you also run the family enterprise and how it's 24/7 tell us a story of you as a working parent that convinces us that you too are human that you're not this superwoman with a cape
0: well i mean even now i feel like i am often doing laundry in between my zoom calls you'll know, hear this room, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, baking banana bread or whatever, what the kid wants. Like right? while I'm like, and I have my timer on while I'm like, you know, doing this, there's always a load of laundry that's behind me. So I think, I think we are always trying to get both things done. I was, you know, because there's not enough time and it's like, and so I think that that is what every working mom's struggle is, is that, running a household this is why it's like you know the mommy wars i mean stay-at-home moms are like running a business and we who are also in the workforce sometimes are running two businesses Mm -hmm. and so i think that that is just an acknowledgement of the hours this is why i think it's just so important for us to have a conversation why what you know one of the things that we call for in the Marshall plan was this idea of like monthly payments to moms because so much of it is just acknowledging that the cognitive labor the remembering, right, to make the doctor's appointments and the play dates and the this mm-hmm. and that and then the therapist appointments, that that is cognitive labor, that information that we hold in our head, in addition to the physical information, right, about the laundry and the tasks and the making the breakfast and all that is work. Families do not function without that work in addition to all the other work we have to do. And, and I think part of, I was thinking about this the other night, yesterday I was going for a walk. I was like, you know, every woman I talk to when she's trying to start something or do something, or even my girls who code would be like, well, I just got to take another class. I'm j- i just, don't know if I'm qualified. I don't feel like prepared. You know, it goes back to that leadership study about why women will apply for a job only if they made hundred percent where men apply for 60%. Because for so long, when we feel right? That like, we're not ready to take that step. We think it's because we're not prepared, but really we're just exhausted and we don't have the time because there's this whole other job that we do that is not acknowledged even to ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? We don't even acknowledge to ourselves because we just do it. We don't even acknowledge to ourselves how much bandwidth holding all of that information, doing all those things takes. like, the, And then we call it the cognitive labor in our book, right? And that that takes away from any ability for you to do anything more than what you can barely do at work. And we've been told the whole time it's because we're not prepared or qualified. And that is not, at all like, we're having the wrong conversation. And that's why also I'm so, I think it's so important to start thinking about how do we get more men more of the government more of our employers whoever that other person or you know who's going to take that off of our plate Mm -hmm. so we have more time
1: so what advice would you give to moms right now
0: you know i this is a great question because we need to go from rage to power i think the question is when um I have to I have to give a big commencement speech. This is actually the same it's funny. The CDC said the two most stressed out groups are 18 to 24 year olds and moms in our country right now. Because part of it is like we both need to fight for things mm-hmm. and we need things to change. And but the pressure's always been on us to be the ones to drive that. And we don't have any bandwidth for that. So it's like a hard, when you ask me this question, it's very hard. It's like, what would I say to a you know kid graduating college right now? Like, is it go change the world? You know, for a mom, is it go march, go fight, go protest? It's a little bit like, I need you to rest. I need you to process. I need you to deal with grief of what just happened. And then I need you to fight.
1: How would you change that advice or would it change for women who are just starting their parenting journey, right? And they're thinking about um, beginning their families.
0: Yeah. I wonder, one, I think it is about, it's not enough just to have a conversation with your partner about who's going to do what. I think if you do have a partner, I think it is really about setting up the household enterprise to have its best shot at equality, that starts with both of you taking your full paid leave to, you know, what I mean, together, even or at different times, so the other person gets to know how to do all the things, and your to do list doesn't become that much bigger. I think the second thing I know a lot of women who are like, "Well, I don't, I'm, I i do not What am I going to do on my paid leave? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take my leave. No, take your damn leave. Take the time. You know what I mean? Like. we have to create a society that, that values that, you know, I think, you know, I think three, it's like really ask for the things that you want in your, in your workplace, you know, and I would say four, don't try to, you know, I'm so embarrassed when I think about my first kid, I may have saw even again, after more miscarriages than I can count. I mean, I wanted that kid, I wanted him so bad, but when I finally got him, I barely saw him for an hour a day because I was so busy trying to girl boss my way to the top and I missed everything. I missed him crawling. I missed his first walk. I missed everything, everything. And so I have so much regret about that. So what I would say, you know, to, to you now is don't do what I did. And and now it's like, I'm building Marshall plan for mom. I have two young kids. I do everything. Like, meaning I see everything. I get to participate fully as a mother. And I'm building what will be a larger movement that I built at Girls Who Code. I'm doing it on my terms. Now, I am my own CEO. So I get to set the rules for my company and myself. But we've got to make every mom or every person who wants to be a mom be able to have the same amount of workplace Mm -hmm. that I am now creating for myself. And for those of us, you know, because we're so steeped—I mean, this 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 kind of corporate feminism thing—is so deeply entrenched in us in in our workplaces that we really have to use completely other language. Never ask about work-life balance because it doesn't exist. Never ask about having it all. Like, we literally have to delete a certain sense of vocabulary. We have to have new words, new descriptions about what it is that we want. And I think part of it is looking for companies or organizations that have, that really value family in its fullest sense. So there's no, I'm so sorry, I have to get up off this call to go take my son to the doctor's appointment. Don't apologize. We have to put the shame on society, not on ourselves.
1: Well, and I love what you were saying too about we have to get men involved. I remember I have to. when my husband went on his like, abysmally short paternity leave. Um, he put in his out of office that he was, you know, taking time to fulfill this new role of becoming a dad. But it was calling out that he was taking leave and yeah. being with his kid. And I thought, ah, oh, like every single man Everyone. needs to be doing this too, because that's what's going to create the cultural shift in the, the... 100%. The norm setting. So 100%. what are what are some things, you know, I know there are many allies um, for Marshall Plan for Moms. What are some things that men can be doing
0: in this? Well, I I think one is like, we should be fighting for gender neutral paid leave. You should take the same amount of paid leave as your partner is taking. And if you run a company, or if you're a manager, you should tie it to performance review, right? Um, You know, secondly, I think, I think we have to, there, there's been a lot of I don't know if this, I've just seen a lot more men openly talk about how they think that women should be at home than I ever have, right? So it's a post-pandemic, like we're going backwards, I think, culturally for some, you know, in the way that we're talking about this. And, you know, Alexa Hanahan's a great ally, you know, but again, pushing back when you see men talk that way. Mm-hmm. It's is really, really, really critical. You know, I do. I also think that we have to. I have two sons. You know, boy, mom. Like we have to encourage our youngest ones to be caretakers. Like I have my son help me clean up after his toys, make his bed, take out the garbage, hold my stuff. You know what I mean? Like change his brother's diaper, right? Like really, and 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 and, and say, "You're so kind, Sean. You're so great." Your, thank you for that, right? Like having them do and engage in the caretaking, it's detrimental to, I mean, part of the reason why we have a shortage when it comes to nurses and home care workers, is because men don't want to do it. Men, you know, it's like, there's been studies that show that men would actually rather take, you know, unemployment insurance than work in an industry that they see is not manly. So this whole idea that like, Again, because you know, and we have to, and be very careful. The difference between performative parenting for men—I tease my husband. Don't just do that for Instagram. Do that because you want to do it, and you're doing it for you. I, I would say, you know, this book has really shifted our marriage a lot. It had to. It's made him and me just a lot more conscious and open to these things to 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 change.
1: Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today, for sharing all of this with us. I have a few rapid fire questions for you to finish up. What is one piece of mom gear you can't live without?
0: I guess it's like my stroller right now.
1: That totally
0: works. Kind of like a security blanket for my little one. So yes, it's like
1: in our apartment, all of it. Who do you love to follow on Instagram?
0: Um, I love Dr. Becky. She's got great parenting advice. She's amazing.
1: Mm -hmm. What's one hack that makes your life just a little bit easier?
0: I do one thing for myself every single day and I do it at a time that's inconvenient for everyone. So for me right now, it's playing tennis. So if I play tennis or get a workout in, in the morning, I'm like a new person.
1: And what's on your nightstand right now?
0: Mm, a humidifier, some CBD to sleep. And, you know, I've been wearing this whoop to like track my sleep. Um, because I know that like with a little one who's teething and it's in another one who's like never got out of my bed. Like I, I need to be like vigilant about getting rest.
1: Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.